Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. We're so glad that you're here today. Thank you for being here with us. And those of you connecting with us on our online campus, it is so good to be home. We had a great trip, um, as everybody talked about on Wednesday night. My portion, uh, I got to be with them in Poland for only two days. And then on uh, Thursday and Friday, I was in my 78th country. Got a couple of pictures to show you that uh, this is Bratislava, Slovakia. It is only 53 miles from Vienna, Austria, which I've been to Vienna all these times. I never knew it was right there. I probably would have crossed the border years ago to pray at least. But we had a great meeting with the pastor. There's a beautiful castle on a hill up there. And uh, he's invited us to come back and bring, uh, possibly bring a team in the future. So just really cool to see what God did. Then I spent the weekend last weekend preaching in Budapest. I don't have pictures of that for you right now, but I'll show you that more another time. Anyway, let's get into the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible word of the living God. This month's theme is don't forget to laugh. I love the, love the song that you did. That you can't, It's impossible to sing that song about smiling and not to kind of smile and kind of feel it. You know what I mean? And it's so important in this day. Today's message I call brimming with confidence. Brimming with confidence. I'm opening with 2 Kings and kind of weaving in a proverb and a Hebrew book for Hebrews. 2 Kings 4 verse 1 from the Message Bible says, One day the wife of a man from the Guild of Prophets called out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You well know what a good man he was, devoted to God. And now the man to whom he was in debt is on his way to collect by taking my two children as slaves. Elisha said, I wonder how I can be of help. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing, she said. Well, I do have a little oil. I want to remind you, little somethings can create big miracles. Come back to that story in a bit. Proverbs 14.26 talks about the fear of the Lord. It says in the message, the fear of God builds up confidence, not in yourself, but in him. Fear of God builds up confidence in him and makes a world safe for your children. Boy, isn't that a great promise? A big concern for parents and grandparents everywhere today is how do we keep the world safe for our kids? The Bible says it's all about the fear of the Lord, respect for God, being in awe of him and celebrating him. Finally, I want to weave in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. It says this, therefore, do not cast away or throw away your confidence, which has great reward. Confidence in God has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Confidence in God builds endurance. You know, the last couple of years, we've been through a lot. And if we can survive that, we can survive anything. I think what we've learned, those of us who made it through in victory, still trusting God, faith intact, praising him, will agree that we're more resilient in him than we thought we were. If somebody would have told you two and a half years ago what the world would have been like through the pandemic and the election and all the stuff that's happened... Uh, I think most of us would say, oh, I don't think, I, I could never go through that. Well, welcome to your life. We've been through it. 
And it's proof that we can get through anything with him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray one more time. Father, open the eyes of our heart today and grant us a spirit of wisdom and strength as you come and remind our hearts to be filled with joy. In Jesus' name, give us the fear of the Lord that is clean. Give us a respect for you and your house again. Let our nation turn to you in respect and honor. And Lord, grant us confidence in your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Don't forget to laugh. Listen, last week, uh, Pastor Carrie Erickson did a great job, by the way. Did you enjoy her? So thankful for Carrie Erickson, her husband, Matt. Uh, He's spoken on a Wednesday night before, and it's just great to have her here. We've been talking about joy this month and keeping a strong spirit as we come out of the COVID season the past two years. We said a joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to both body and soul. You know, you gotta, you gotta guard your heart. You gotta guard your countenance. If you're, <clears throat> if you're just endure, enduring and you're not enjoying, then it's, it's hard to kind of make it through tough moments. And of course, now here we are, the price of fuel, the increasing threat of inflation, rising prices in every sector have become the everyday headlines on our TV news. Yesterday, I got my uh, bill for my pool chemicals Uh, for the month, and my pool chemicals doubled in price this month. It's like, okay, just when I didn't need an illustration, I got one. But here's the deal. Fear, especially fear of lack or loss, spreads like the disease that it is. And financial markets work largely on something called consumer Confidence. The more negative economic stories we feed on, the more we meditate on, the more we believe in recession, and the more the index falters, and then recession becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. My admonition today is watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. <clears throat> Guard your heart. It's easy right now to jump into the deep end of the cesspool and agree with everybody who's complaining about everything and talking about prices and <clears throat> all this stuff is happening. We can't pretend it's not real. It is real. But our God will have the last word. I love what Pastor Kerry said last week. Instead of complaining to the people when you're pumping gas, uh, start praising God that you have the money to pay for gas, another tank of gas. As Pastor Chris stated last Sunday, everything in the world's economy works through shortage. In the laws of supply and demand, low supply, high demand equals higher prices. High supply, low demand equals lower prices. Right now we still have a labor shortage. We still have a supply chain shortage, but not from heaven to earth. The Bible says we move, as we pray, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many know heaven has no lack? In the kingdom of God, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Everything in God's economy works on the abundance of his supply. The abundance of his supply. And he never runs out of anything we need. That's why the psalmist wrote, uh, my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Why? Because all he has to do is sell one cow and we got enough to live on, you know? Our father owns all the cows. He owns all the beef. He owns 
all the vegetables and fruits of the world and of the land, and we don't have to receive the evil report. Amen. Thank you for that overwhelming response. I got to shock you to then, you know, get the paddles out, you know, get you back in the flow because it's easy, isn't it? To jump in with everybody else and go, oh yeah, world's going to hell in a handbasket. Here we go. And the prices and the prices and the prices. Okay, but that doesn't negate Philippians 4.19. Paul's declaration is completely confident in this statement. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My friends, confidence is a leadership magnet. I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm talking about we need confidence. If we are confident as the salt of the earth and the light of the world, confident in God's supply, it doesn't matter what the prices do. It doesn't matter what happens. Our God will take care of us and he will work through us. I remember about 15 months ago, I did a whole month on thriving in Babylon. I said, you know, we are, we are on the precipice of some very dangerous times. I was honest with you a year, March of last year. And I said prophetically, we're going to thrive and be blessed. And I gave you example after example after example from Joseph to Daniel, people who thrived trusting God without compromise in the midst of a godless nation that hated God. And they thrived. Let me just break down. I'm not going to teach on it all the way, but just let me break this down, Philippians 4.19. My God and my God. This is, Paul says, I have a personal relationship. He's not just a God. He's not just the God. He's not just your God. He's my God. And if he's your God, he will supply for you too. It's about relationship. And he says, shall supply. My God shall supply. He didn't say maybe. He didn't say, I hope he does. He didn't say, I, I, I think he will. Uh, he didn't say, I, I, he did it before, so I'm really crossing my fingers. He said confidently, and my God shall supply. What is, that is confident, that is bold, that is a great statement and a great promise, and it is a scripture. It is God speaking to us through the apostle Paul, not just his opinion, but God is declaring it through a man of God that you can stand in a place and say, my God personally shall supply, not maybe, not I hope so, not I wish he would, all. What does all mean? If you break down the Greek, the Hebrew, everything else, all means all. Everything in every sector of life at all times, fully and completely. And I dare say that if you look back at your life, even when you were not walking with the Lord, God still found ways to bless you. He, he couldn't pour out what he wanted to do on you, but he, he found ways to get you what you needed right when you needed it. Amen? That's how good our God is. And then the other thing, then the next part says, according to. That means the, the cor correlating measure is this. So, so it's according to. It's, it's, it's measured by this standard, not by the world standard. According to the source, which is his riches, his storehouse of ownership, his storehouse of glory. The, the glory means the heaviness of all that is good, the thickness of God's presence, by Christ Jesus, our Savior over sin, sickness, demonic power, poverty, and adversity. 
My friends, you, you, you got to get excited when you, when you have these moments to prove that scripture, that God said it. He's, you've got to believe it. You've got to stand on it, and you can do it as Paul the Apostle. You, you've got to say it with confidence. You've got to believe it in your heart. You've got to work it inside of your soul. You've got to meditate on that scripture. You've got to look at it like I did and exegete. Look at, look at those different parts. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. None of that has to do with the conditions of earth. None of that promise has to do with any conditions on earth. It has to do with you and God. Now, Paul did say it in context to the Philippians, who he just said in the previous verses, if you want to study it, you've blessed me time and time again, and God will never forget it. It's about the release of generosity of God's people. You see, the mistake is that we, sometimes when we get scared, even as God's people, we start tightening up. But the Bible says that generosity is the answer. How can we say that with such confidence as the as, same as the Apostle Paul? I love this promise. This is 2 Corinthians 8, 9 from the Amplified. I'm gonna read it to you. Every word from the Amplified, I'm not gonna break it down, but you gotta get it. You need to write this down. This is from the Amplified Bible. You need to get it in your spirit. Paul said this, for you are becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his kindness, his gracious generosity, his undeserved favor and spiritual blessing in that though he was so very rich, had everything the prince of heaven could have, he was so very rich, yet for your sakes, he became so very poor on that day on the cross and in that earthly life in order that by his poverty, you might become enriched, abundantly supplied. My friends, everything Jesus Christ paid the price for with the stripes on his back and the cross that he carried to Calvary, everything he paid the price for, the devil has no more legal right to put on you. And that's not just sin. That's also sickness. It's also disease. It's also poverty. At the cross of Calvary, Jesus took the burden of lack and worries about money upon himself as he was crucified. The Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace. The word shalom, the chastisement, the punishment so we could have shalom. You've heard shalom? Shalom is a word that means peace, but it means more than that. It means peace, prosperity, abundance. It means wholeness. It means fulfillment. Everything you need in shalom. He was, he, he, he took it on himself and he took the punishment that we might have his peace that passes understanding. Poverty itself was legally crucified. It was defeated for God's people, his children, as sin according to Romans, has lost dominion over you. So poverty that used to nip at your heels and my heels has no more power over you. It has lost dominion over you for you're not under the law, you're under grace. In the first part of our text, Elisha is approached by the widow of a former coworker and a prophetic minister voicing her frustration over her financial condition. She comes to complain and I think she comes really for a handout. 
Can you help me? You know, unmanageable debt threatened to destroy her family and her future, her whole legacy, as Pastor Kerry said last week. And that can happen. I want to give you just a few little points here. Seven points from this passage on Elisha with the widow woman with the oil, the widow's oil. Number one, credit and debt problems can happen to anybody. She said, my husband feared God and he was a servant of the Lord. He was a prophet. And yet he didn't have any, he was a prophet, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, but he didn't have any prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T. He wasn't fit to profit. That was a joke. <laughs> he didn't have he didn't have anything. And when he passed away, <clears throat> he didn't leave any insurance. He didn't leave anything behind. He left a wife that was scared. She was disempowered. She was in debt to her eyeballs. And now the banker comes and says, "We're going to take your children as indentured servants." What's a mother to do? She runs to Elisha. God's provision can also happen to anybody. God is for you. He is provision. He is your provision. He is for your vision in him. He wants you to fulfill your purpose and your destiny, and he wants you to have everything, every resource you need to do it. His promise is you'll have everything you need. So credit problems can happen to anybody, but so can God's miracle provision. And that's exactly what happened. Number two, Jehovah Jireh is a covenant name of God and he is your provider. He is your source. He is the fountain of blessing. We used to sing a song in the traditional church, praise God from whom all blessings flow. So my parents used to sing it. Praise him all creatures here below. So you have this, you know, praise him from whom all blessings flow. Where do all good gifts come from? My friends, they come from above. They don't come from your job or your boss. You do your part, but God is getting that to you. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is your source of support. People are not your source. God is your source. Stop looking to people as your first response and using God as your last resort. Go to God first. Trust him first. Pray first. Believe first. Sow first and reap first. Jehovah Jireh is your provider. That covenant name was revealed the moment that Abraham took his son Isaac up to the mountain to offer his son to God. And right at the moment that he was going to, he felt he was obeying God and offering his son as a sacrifice. God never requires blood sacrifice of humans, by the way. Only demons do that. God provided a scapegoat. At the exact moment that Abraham raised that knife, the Bible says that in the spirit realm, God said to himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now I know he would do this. Now I know you're willing. And when he raised that knife, when he raised that message, that weapon of destruction, God's, he, heard a, he heard something in the thicket. Remember all the way up the mountain, Abraham kept talking to Isaac and Isaac said, I see the wood, dad. I see the, I see the, I see the, you know, I see everything for the sacrifice. I see all the fuel you need. I, where's the sacrifice? And he kept saying, son, God will provide. God will provide. At the exact second he raised that sword, he heard something in the bushes. And all of a sudden, there was a ram. 
I heard it described one time by Dr. E.V. Hill in a great sermon years ago that every step Abraham and Isaac were taking up one side of the mountain, there was a ram coming up the other side of the mountain equal step for step. And then when they got up there for the right moment, that ram was revealed. Sometimes when you're walking by faith, you're walking up blindly up a hill. You don't know what God's provision is going to be. You just have to keep walking by faith and not by sight and praising him on the way up. My son, God will provide. God will provide. My daughter, God is going to take care of us. He's not going to fail us. He didn't fail us years ago, and he's not going to fail us now. He's going to take care of us because his love endures forever. And his grace has provision in it. He is Jehovah Jireh. Now, it was the very last minute for Abraham and Isaac, and it may be the last minute for you and me, but God will provide. Number three, sometimes the older generation puts the next generation at risk. That's a tough one. Sometimes the older generation, you know, this this father, I'm sure he didn't mean to put this stuff on his sons to become slaves, but through whatever, by not preparing, and you know, this is, I'm not gonna tell you all kinds of stuff, but let me just tell you that the responsible person takes care of things like insurance and wills before you need them. Just gonna say that as a little commercial here. And I used to be in the insurance business and I saw a lot of people in tragedy at a moment where they said, I need to get insurance. They just said somebody so-and-so is dying. Well, now you can't get it. If, they, if, you're, if you know he's, if he's sick, you can't get it now. You have to get it before you're sick. You have to take care of your will. Listen, we've been talking to pastor friends and people all over at different times because, so my wife and I did the basics, you know, we, we didn't have, when we didn't have anything, we didn't have anything to lose, but we still made a provision. We got a will early on of the basics of what would happen with our kids and such. And it wasn't morbid, it was just some, and then when we turned 50, 50 was kind of the magic year for us. We said, you know what? We better, the kids are grown now. We're not going to give, you know, 30-year-old 30, 30 Ricky to custody to anybody, you know, except Jenny. <clears throat> and so we, so we decided to kind of revise that and make it appropriate for that time. And we redid our wills and we, uh, and we, uh, and we redid our insurance at 50. And then we tried to uh, add to it and different things. But why? Because it's, it's part of stewardship. You know, I don't... I don't put on a seatbelt in the car because I'm afraid I'm going to get in a crash. I put on the seatbelt because it's something I can do that's pretty easy to buckle up and trust that God's going to keep me safer by doing it. So, you know, people say, well, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about uh, death and dying. Well, let me just tell you something. We're, we're, we're going to live forever, but physically, physically, we got to deal with these things. So good stewardship is... By, don't put your children and grandchildren at risk. It doesn't cost that much if you do it when you're young. It doesn't cost much. I think the will when we did it, or 50, I think the whole thing was like 200 bucks or something like that. With a really good lawyer in town, our financial advisor said, this is part of getting stuff in order, and we did it. And you know what? We didn't like, ooh, this means something bad. No, it was like, okay, this, this is, this is, this is, we felt good about it. We felt good about it. Now, we don't talk about it all the time at the dinner table. Hey, guess what we got for you in the will? You know, <clears throat> that's, not, that's not what we do. It's not to be morbid, but I just want to say as your pastor, how many times we've had to step in in an emergency with people 
who just never prepared, that were already older people and they never prepared, never got insurance or a will. My friend, where there's a will, there's a way. Okay? So just be mindful of that. This is, you know, advice from the old guy. Anyway, so number four. God's answers usually come through opportunities. So in this story, Elisha starts talking to the lady and starts talking. Now, she might be there looking, you know, can, can, please, sir, may I have some more? Yeah, she might be there begging. God's people aren't, we're not to beg. We're to declare. We're to be who we are and to trust God and to declare, be in faith, <clears throat> but look for opportunities for hand ups, not handouts. And so what happens is she's, she gets there and, and Elisha says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asks that question a lot. What do you want? But here's the thing. You have to settle it in your heart sometimes when you're going through something. What do you want God to do for you? Jesus, Jesus looked at a blind, Bar, a blind Bartimaeus, and when Bartimaeus came to him in faith, Jesus said, bring him to me. He kept calling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus said, bring him here. What do you want me to do? Now, he was a beggar. He could have said, I need money. He said, I want to see again. And Jesus said, so be it according to your word. In other words, you gotta, you gotta frame it Sometimes you have not because you ask not. That's what the Bible says. You have not because you ask not or you ask amiss just want to consume it upon yourself. You ask for selfish reasons. Bartimaeus said, I just want to see. Jesus said, so be it according to your faith, your word, your expectation. And he prayed for him and he was completely healed. Many people that Jesus healed, they were, he was very specific. He could have just said, oh, I know what you need. But he very seldom did that. Look at the word. Study the miracles of Jesus in the New Testament. Very seldom did he go, um, oh, I know what you need. He said, what do you want? What do you want? So Elisha says to this woman, what do you want me to do about it? What are you you here for? And she said, well, I just need you to do something to help me. And so he asked her this question. This This is the most important question of all that anybody could ever ask you. And it shows it's about opportunity, not just helping for the need of a moment. If you help somebody for the need of a moment, they're gonna need another moment, okay? But if you help them with an opportunity, then you help to change the course of their lives. Here's the question, you ready? Elisha said, what do you have in your house? Now she's, she's grieving, obviously, husband's gone. There's no provision. She's confused because her husband loved God, was serving the Lord. Why is this going on? She's she's hurting. She's broken. And now now she gets the worst news of all. Her kids are being repossessed. Not furniture, sons. She she has no hope. If If her sons are gone and can't help her, then in the Old Testament times, a widow woman was done for. That was it. She didn't know how she'd survive. She might become a beggar on the street herself. And out of all that concern, she's coming to the man of God for an answer. And he says, what do you have? What do you still have in the house? 
Now, you can tell how desperate she is because she didn't have, she didn't say, well, I got some furniture. <laughs> she, she didn't have furniture. They must have already taken that. She didn't say, well, I got a nice bed. Well, I, you know, I, 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 I'll find something. No, she said in that state, her first knee-jerk reaction was to say, I have nothing. And I think most of us would be the same thing. What do you mean? They already took my furniture. Now they're going to take my sons. What do you mean? What do I have? I got nothing. And I love the way the message Bible has it. There's like a hesitation where she says, oh, wait a minute. I have a little oil. And Elisha said, that's all you need. Let me tell you what to do with your oil. My friends, when you're down financially or emotionally or both at the same time, it's hard to see that you actually do have something to offer. Breakthroughs begin with little somethings. She replies, nothing. Well, I do have a little oil. The prophet's instruction, go. Go get your oil, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to take it, and I want you to start gathering containers that can hold oil gather buckets and little, little flasks and any kind of container, any kind of vessel you can. Just go, you know, she, and she includes her son, by the way, in the miracles. Her sons, according to scripture, are, are going and helping to gather the vessels. They're getting the stuff. Mama, we have hope now. Mama, we have an opportunity now. And, and they bring it and she pours out into the first thing, that little bit of oil. She pours and fills a big jar. And then she looks and there's still the same amount of oil was in her little, her little oil container. Well, this is pretty crazy. Bring me another one. She fills another one to the brim. Sets down the flask. <laughs> she's got the same amount of oil she had before. But now she's got two vessels. And the Bible says she keeps filling everything that they can bring. She fills it all up and it fills to the brim. It fills to overflowing. She, she, she goes in there and, and the Bible says, there's a few instructions. The, the man of God said, number five, when you gather those things, go into your house and shut the door and lock it behind you. Why is that important? I think it's important for the same reason as Jesus put doubters out when he raised the dead that there are some times where people are gonna try to talk you out of your miracle in the middle of your miracle. <laughs> there, are, there are countless ways. Uh, you know, one of the things we were talking about with our, I call them Magnificent Seven. Pastor TK calls them the, the Now Church Seven or whatever, the Magnificent Seven. They went to Poland with us. They went there and they, they did an excellent job. The reason why I didn't share on Wednesday night was because our team, I, I, was, I might've been the conductor of the orchestra, but they're the orchestra. And they did a fantastic job. They were awesome. But it's very interesting that several of them on the team were saying, you wouldn't believe how people reacted about me coming over here. People at work were mad. People in the family were mad. People were afraid, like they're like you're walking into the combat zone. We were, we were hours away. From, from, the, from the Ukrainian border. We were totally safe. It was there one time, two ladies here, was one time at all you felt unsafe wherever you were? So, I mean, God was with us. He sent us. We knew that all along. But I'm just telling you, there are moments where there are people 
that would love to, you know, it kind of, here's the thing. Every time you're willing to go somewhere, someone else isn't willing to go, it exposes the fact they're not willing to go there. So if, if they don't want to go, they don't know why you want to go. So there's this discussion, well, I can't believe it. You know, we had family, we had friends that love, like manifest, like mad that we're going here. And I said, welcome to my world for, for all of my life. When we first went on our maybe first or second missions trip in the early days of this church, another pastor in town blasted me from his pulpit because people were coming over to our church from his church. And he blasted me and said, um, a parent chief is never home. He's always out in the nations. And we were doing more in reach to our community than their church was. And I don't even know what happened to that guy. I don't even know what happened to him. I forgave that a long time ago, but I remember that because it was like, why would you, why would you get mad at, another, at a fellow pastor who's simply trying to obey his calling? The, the Bible says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. I took that as a word for me. If you didn't take that as a word for you, that's fine. I'm not getting mad that you're not going to the nations, but that's part of the go that's in my, in my spirit. That's, that's what keeps me young, okay? That's what keeps me going, keeps me moving forward. The, the, the day I stop going to the nations is, is you, you, then prepare the will, okay? Because this is part of who I am. Even my wife knows it. When I'm around too long, she said, don't you have someplace you need to go? During COVID, that was a, quite, a, quite a little statement. You've been around a long time. <laughs> Shut and lock the door. Keep the doubt out. Sometimes you've got to really guard your mind, your soul, your, your will from all the doubt that's around. I've got to hurry. Number six, Elisha said this, just pour out what you do have. And I'm gonna say that to you. You might not have oil, but you got something. What do you have around your house? What do you have in the house? What do you have that can be a blessing? I'm not talking about just material things. Do you have encouragement as part of your equipment? Then go encourage people. Do you have a smile? Just put on the smile. Go smile. If you, whatever you hold on to stays the same and even dissipates. If she had kept that oil, it's evaporating. And when she uses it, it's gonna be used up and gone, right? But when she used it to glorify God, when she used what she had <clears throat> to obey the man of God and glorify God, it multiplied. You end up losing what you hold on to anyway in, in fear. Use your talents, use your kindness, use your resources to glorify God and help somebody else. And sometimes the very thing you need the most, if you take the little bit you have and give it to somebody else, even encouragement, suddenly you'll reap encouragement. If you're depressed, I challenge you to go help somebody that's depressed. Cheer them up, bless them and encourage them. And you know what? Something begins to unlock in your own soul. It begins to change you and your direction. You still here? You happy? Okay, we're almost done. Number seven, 
he said, so whatever you pour out in faith, trusting God and his word has multiplication potential. Everything you're willing to pour out in obedience to God has the potential to multiply. And we learn it from this scripture. Jesus on the first day of his preaching ministry, when he says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, that day he talks about the widow in Zarephath with Elijah and the widow woman with Elisha. And he mentions these two women because they weren't Jewish women. They were Gentile women. And that's why the Jewish people wanted to stone him the first day of his ministry. And he used them as an example. He said, if God can take care of those widow women, how much more can he take care of you? God wants to do great things. Her life was saved. The Bible says she paid off her debts and she lived off the, I love this word, overflow. She lived off the overflow, overflow, overflow. Provision runs like a river. It is a, that's why we call it money, a currency. It's a currency. There is a current, you see? There's a current of the river of God overflowing into your life. And I love this because the Bible even says that this river unlocks joy in the believer. I'm gonna give you a promise right here. Psalm 46, verse four, love this. Psalmist writes, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the Zion, the house of God the city of God. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. We said a couple weeks ago, the joy of the Lord is your strength and in his presence is the fullness of joy. What's our takeaway? Don't cast away your confidence. Confidence has great reward. Confidence has great reward. Just believe, trust in God, trust his word because his word is his bond. And when you hear all the bad news and all the complaining in the world, don't forget to laugh. Laugh, not mockery laugh, but laugh the laugh of confidence. Like God in Psalm chapter two when it says, how the, the Gentiles and the, and the leaders of the world thought they could overthrow God and conspired against him. But he who sits in the heavens shall laugh because they can't take God down. He is always up. He is always moving forward. Amen? When you hear the bad news, don't forget to laugh, not because it's not serious or real, but because you have promises of God's supernatural provision from the creator of the universe who happens to be your father. Holy laughter is a weapon of spiritual war. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the victory you've given us, not just in our lives, but in our hearts. We ask you to come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you afresh to move in this place with joy, with strength, and with power. Lord, if you can help that widow woman, as Jesus said, you can help us. Father, would you show us all of us this week that are in some type of need, would you show us something that we already have that we can use to glorify you and help somebody else? 
Would you take some of the talents we have? Would you speak to some of our bakers and confectionery makers to bless somebody with a cake or a sweet this week? Would you speak to somebody this week who, who has that, that gift of encouragement to go and bring courage to someone else? Lord, help us to know that everything you've given us can be used as a spiritual gift and can bring breakthrough to our lives, to our families, and to our future. In Jesus' name. I want to pray one more thing. Maybe, we have about eyes closed just for a second. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord. Maybe you've been going through a really fearful time. The Bible says perfect love, God's perfect love, agape love, his kind of love, casts out fear. It actually forces fear out in the open and then kicks it out of your house. I wanna pray for you today. Maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe you've never really known him. He said, Paul said, my God shall supply. Maybe you don't know God as your God. Maybe he is your parents' God or grandma's God or your friend's God. Maybe you came, <clears throat> maybe you came today to now church and saying, well, I'll come with you to your church or there's that church or, or there's the church or I hope for to go to a church. God wants to be your God and we wanna be your church. We wanna help you on your journey of discipleship because nobody in this room is perfect. We've all been through some stuff We've all been through some major failures. We've all been through some crazy times, but our God has been faithful. And if you don't know him, would you invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life? The beginning of everything in God's provision is Jesus becoming Lord of your life, that you might know him and the power of his resurrection for yourself. If that's you, just say this out loud with me right now or just say it in your heart. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Change me. Forgive me. I want to know you in a real way, not just about you in religion. I want to know you in a real way and experience you in my heart. If you've done that, whether you're in the room or whether you're watching in our online campus right now, I invite you to pray that prayer and then to tell somebody after church, I prayed that prayer and God is doing something in me. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag Now Church. Thank you.